Hey everyone, it's Raheel. Happy Friday. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you all to take our CityCast Houston listener survey at citycast.fm slash survey. It'll take about five minutes and it's going to help us better serve you with our podcast. As a thank you, you'll be entered to win a $250 Visa gift card once you complete it. That's citycast.fm slash survey. All right, it was a busy week in H-Town, so it's time to recap it all. From the TEA announcing a new HISD superintendent to a string of crimes on a popular bike trail and more. Political contributor and Pulitzer Prize finalist Evan Mintz joins me to break it all down. And by the way, there's even a 10-foot hammerhead shark in this one. It's Friday, June 2nd. I'm Raheel Ramsnali, and here's what Houston's talking about. All right, Evan. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Before we jump into the news, we had an episode on the Hammerhead Flatworm with Scott Solomon. You being the gardening expert, have you seen a Hammerhead Flatworm? I have, and they are weird. I, I was digging in my garden, as I am one to do, and I'm always hoping to see nice little earthworms. They're good for the soil. They're good for the environment, for, good for the ecosystem. And I saw this weird thing like thrashing around. And I thought to myself, is that like a small snake? Like what's going on there? And this head pops up out of the soil. And it's that weird hammerhead shape. I had never seen anything like this. I'm thinking to myself, like, is this some type of like weird thing that's going to try to burrow under my skin? Is this like some sort of like parasite that someone pooped out? Like, what is this? And then I went and I looked it up and I said like, oh, don't touch them. And also they eat earthworms. Like, well, I don't want that to happen. So I kind of grabbed it with a shovel and I smushed it and I haven't seen one since. Okay, good. As long as you didn't cut it in half because they will regenerate. So you'll have to. I know, I know. Yeah. I do not want that. No, you don't. All right. So if you want to listen to the whole episode, by the way, it's a fascinating topic. It was so interesting. Uh, You can find that in your podcast feed. All right, let's get to the big news of the week. Our biggest story, most overlooked, and of course, our moment of joy. Evan, you start us off. What was your biggest story of the week? My biggest story of the week are these attacks happening on the Columbia Tap. Five cyclists have been attacked over the past two weeks while going down the bike trail that cuts through the middle of the Third Ward. Now, the Houston Police Department has said they're going to increase patrols and do undercover operations. But what really stands out about this to me is the use of a gun in these robberies, that people have been shot in them, that they've been attacked during just regular afternoon hours. One person was attacked at four o'clock. And this isn't like some luxury cycling amenity. Like this is a key connector in our city's bike grid. It's used by families, by young kids to get to schools and get around. Like this is an important thing. And if people can't be safe there, it really uh, is a hit to our city. But I think one part about this story that's a little overlooked is that this is repeat history. Ten years ago in 2013, there were a series of similar attacks along the Columbia Tap. And then when they finally arrested the people responsible for them, they found that they were children ages 10 through 16. And they told the authorities that they were doing these robberies for fun and money, that they wanted to buy shoes. And one of the victims had this quote that has stuck in my head ever since, which said, if they wanted shoes, I would have bought them shoes. Now, but there's this difference between a bunch of kids getting into trouble, hurting people, and then being robbed with a gun and getting shot is the scary escalation. And I really feel like it's a reflection of the way that things have shifted 
all across the country with the proliferation of guns, particularly around the COVID pandemic. Mm. What do you think is going to end up happening here? When do you think the community is going to feel safe about getting back on the Columbia Tap Trail? And I really think that the police are going to get these guys. There's only so many suspects. There's only so many people. And honestly, I think it's not too hard to have a couple of cops riding out on bikes and be undercover and snag them when they get attacked. So we'll see what happens. But I've got confidence in HPD to figure this out. And just going to point out that you also have the overlapping police from nearby TSU, from the constable's office. You also have medical center police nearby. So I feel like that we've definitely got the manpower. You've just got to get the focus on solving this. All right. I hope they solve it pretty soon because, as you mentioned, it is an important connector for the city. And, mm-hmm. of course, we just want to feel safe, right, in anything we do. So really hoping that uh, HPD and all the surrounding community members can help the situation out. Mm-hmm. All right. My biggest story of the week. We've been hearing rumors about this for a while, but it is official. Mike Miles has been named the superintendent by the TEA as the takeover is officially underway of HISD. Uh, Mike Miles has served as superintendent in the Dallas school system as well. He was working at a charter school in Colorado before this. And there are a lot of things to discuss when it comes to the TEA takeover. Of course, the biggest thing is what's going to happen with the underperforming schools. Mike Miles talked about the schools that have been performing great. He said, look, we're not touching those. Those are going to continue to operate the way they are. But when it comes to the underperforming schools, there's no plans to close them right now. He will give it a year to see what happens with the schools. And he's not shying away from fixing issues. So your initial thoughts on this? I was talking to a friend of mine whose brother-in-law had recently graduated salutatorian from Lamar High School. And he said his family kind of feels like they're getting out on the chopper out of Saigon, that just they're really worried HISD is not going to go in a good direction with this takeover. And the whole thing just feels utterly unnecessary. I know what they're saying, that they're not going to touch the good schools, and HISD has some excellent schools. But the reputation they're setting, the standard they're setting, makes me highly skeptical of their ability to fix the things they say they want to fix and not ruin the things they say they're not going to ruin. One of the big things that Mike Miles has talked about, and this is from a quote from the Houston Landing, uh, when it comes to the HISD's central administration, he thinks it's very bloated and bureaucratic. So they need to trim some of that. I have no idea what that means other than the quote that he says, look, there'll be some savings from central office. This is nothing new to HISD. The question is, how well do you implement that? So cutting specific positions, there's too many people coaching people, he said. So there's going to be some trimming on the bureaucratic level and the central administration. Then the other thing with the principals and teachers His goal is to train principals first and then get to teacher evaluations. Look, I don't have a student in HISD. I am looking at this from the outside in. So I hope that they can fix all the issues that they see, right, with the low-performing schools. Maybe they don't, maybe they do, but I am giving them the benefit of the doubt. I worry that whenever you say you're going to cut manpower in an attempt to get rid of red tape. You always risk getting rid of the expertise and the people who know how to make things happen. And ironically, 
end up narrowing that pipeline and make it more difficult to get work done rather than making it easier. Now, I have also heard from teachers saying that they agree that they think that there is too much top heavy bureaucracy and that it's just hard to do your work when everything is so restricted with rules. And that's one of the ways in which IHISD contrast with, say, charter schools where they can kind of do whatever they want because they write their own rules around it. There's also a new board named, by the way, if you want to see the entire board and their background, we've linked the story in our show notes so you can learn a little bit more about them. Let's get to our most overlooked story of the week. What do you have? I think the most overlooked story isn't necessarily Paxton's impeachment because that's pretty well recognized. It isn't the special session because you know everyone sees that's going on, but it's how these stories show a shift in alignment in Austin. You know, Paxton is out while he's impeached and he's been replaced by John Scott, who previously had been appointed by Abbott himself as Secretary of State, who worked for Greg Abbott when Abbott was Attorney General. I mean, this is Abbott putting his man in charge of another statewide office. That is a huge coup for him, particularly given that there has been plenty of tension between Abbott and Paxton. And I think if you read Chris Hook's piece in Texas Monthly this past week that lays out the history of Paxton, he shows that despite what, say, Abbott says about Paxton when they're giving these big speeches during campaign season, they don't exactly like each other. They don't exactly respect each other. And so this is a big win for Abbott. And the same thing is happening, I think, right now in the legislature. We've got this special session called specifically to deal with property taxes and border issues. And you've got Abbott siding with the House in the way that they craft their property tax cut, which is to do something called compression. You use state dollars basically to pay down local property tax dollars and allows you to cut property taxes for both residential and commercial properties. In contrast, the Senate has a plan where they just raise the homestead exemption. They don't touch commercial properties. They just say that, well, you have to pay less on the first you know, $100,000 or so on your house. And it's so interesting to see Abbott side with the House, which has always been derided in Republican activist circles as being more liberal and see him go against Dan Patrick, who really embodies the more conservative wing of the party. Yeah. So that's also my most overlooked story of the week. So the big thing here is the special session. Let's focus on that. All right. So from my understanding is Governor Abbott calls the special session and they get the House bill done. They're like, all right, this is what we're working with. And then he adjourns it and says, all right, Senate, now it's up to you because we can't fix anything else. You either accept this or you don't. Oh, yeah. Real Texas ledgeheads remember the sunset and signy die buttons. I think it's time for the two bills and signy die buttons. Just pass the bills and we're out. Like what a power move. It's just getting up in the middle of the meeting and walking out. You're done. Well, tell us a little bit more about that because I don't know about that because I'm not a I'm not a big ledgehead. It was a few years ago, there's this big push by the Senate to have a whole special session to get at all these big issues, a lot of conservative red meat. And the House, there's idea of let's just pass the sunset bill, the one thing they had to do to make sure that a bunch of state agencies remained in existence and get out of there. So people made these buttons that said sunset and signy die, just pass the bill and get out. Mm. And it kind of feels like that's what they're doing right now. But I got to say, I kind of like Dan Patrick's property tax proposal more. And I don't usually find myself agreeing with Dan Patrick. But to me, it just makes sense to say that homeowners are the ones who really need help 
and commercial owners, like if you have to pay more in property taxes, you can raise your rents. You can make money to pay what you owe. If you own a home, you're not exactly making money on that home. So it never really feels fair to see your property taxes go up and up and up. You're being assessed on what the value of the house would be if you sold it, but you haven't. Evan, the other thing, the property tax cuts are coming from the budget surplus, right? Mm -hmm. So what happens next year when that budget surplus isn't there or in two years? Is this just a one time, here you go, here's a you know a couple of hundred bucks back in your pocket? Or is this going to be a long-term solution if you know? No, I mean, that's a big worry about this. They're using a one-time big surge because of oil revenues and other things to pay for a systemic reduction in revenues. And whenever the city does this, conservatives get worked up about it because they say, this is bad finances. This isn't how you should run a system. But when the state does it, people are a little quiet because I really think there is a goal to try to eliminate property taxes and really slash funding. But if, unless you get at it in a thoughtful way, you're just going to end up defunding a lot of schools. I, I think that the best way to spend a one-time influx of funds is to invest in one-time needs, building or updating infrastructure, creating new funds for education, which immediately they did do for the University of Houston, and just stuff like that. You can even do a one-time uh, tax refund, just send people a check. And you've seen states like Minnesota do stuff like that with their surge in uh, tax revenues. But uh, Texas isn't set up to do stuff like that, and people aren't thinking along those lines. All right, let's talk about the impeachment of Ken Paxton. What is next in that? Well, Ken Paxton is out of office. It's different from the federal system where you're impeached and you're still kind of waiting around doing your job, waiting for the Senate to get to their trial. But Paxton's out. We're waiting for a trial to happen. That's on the Senate agenda. What's very interesting, though, is that Angela Paxton, his wife, is a senator, and she's going to be voting on this. She doesn't have to recuse herself. It's just so bizarre. And again, I'm going to give some credit to Dan Patrick here. I kind of expected him to say, this whole thing is a kangaroo court. It's a star chamber. This is ridiculous. Ted Cruz said stuff like that. But Dan Patrick said, well, we're going to be unbiased in this. I'm going to be the judge. I don't have a vote, but I'm overseeing the process. And we're just going to let it go through the regular order. And so I thought that was pretty upstanding of him to put it like that. Now, we'll see what actually happens. But he didn't have to be a straight shooter like that. And it shows, I think, that the animosity towards Paxton isn't some liberals versus conservatives thing. It's people who think that you should be a crook or you shouldn't be a crook. Yeah. And there's some folks out there who really don't mind if you're crooked as long as you say and do all the things that align you politically the way they want. So in this trial, because I haven't seen an impeachment trial here, mm -hmm. what's going to happen? Like, is he going to testify? Is he going to defend himself? What is it going to look like? So you're going to have members from the House basically acting as prosecutors. And one of the people on that team is Ann Johnson, who is a Democrat from Houston, who is a longtime prosecutor in the DA's office. So they're getting some real heavy hitters there. Then Paxton has some of his own staffers in the attorney general's office taking a leave of absence to be his defenders and basically wow. run his side of the trial. So we'll see if they get him on the stand. I don't know if they can make that happen because you don't really have a lot of impeachment processes going on in the Texas legislature. The last time I believe that you had a statewide impeachment was Paul Ferguson. 
Wow. So it's been it's been a while here. It's been uh, roughly about 100 years. So, <laughs> you know, we're making history. We are living through history. And it's kind of fascinating how something of the scale just seems to be sliding through so quickly. All right, let's get to our moment of joy. What sparked some joy in your soul this week, Evan? My moment of joy is that it is summer in Houston. Now, I know it's not officially summer until June 21st, but because it's after Memorial Day, in my mind, in my soul, it is now summer. And I love Houston summers. I love the heat. I love the humidity. This like put me outside and I feel like that I am glowing with energy in this. Now, don't make me do anything in this heat, but as long as I can just like chill there on like a nice recliner in front of a pool, I've got my Michelada, like this is heaven to me. So I cannot wait for summers by the pool. I cannot wait for cold drinks. And I cannot wait for those moments where you go to the movies, you go to the Galleria, and it's just freezing inside in contrast to outside. I love that too. See, you and I are alike because I always argue with my wife and daughters that, well, one daughter because she's eight, the other one can't talk yet. But Mm -hmm. I always argue with them that I would rather have this summer than a winter because in the summer, you can still go do stuff. Yes, is it hot? You're going to have to adjust your schedule a little bit. If you're going to be outside, probably a little bit towards the evening time. Don't give me the cold. I don't want to be in the cold. I don't need layers. I just want a tank top, some swimming trunks, and again, some kind of water, right? Then we're good. Oh, yeah. And I think that we can say this in Houston because everywhere is air conditioned. Like if you want to get out of the heat, you can get out of the heat. I remember living in New York City one summer and just there are places that aren't air conditioned. Like it's still hot there. It's still like in the 90s. And when you don't have air conditioning, the summer Mm -hmm. is so much worse. It's so funny you bring that up because on the Ted Lasso series finale, Ted Lasso said AC is a privilege, not a right. So (laughs) living in London, that's the same thing that they go through where they don't have AC everywhere. So, here you go. Hot summer is here. And you know what? We can be outside. It's okay. We had hot girl summer. I think we had like white boy summer. (laughs) Like I want Houston summer. Like I want everyone to just relish in the heat. I just want hot summer. Let's just keep it hot. (laughs) So, my moment of joy, you're going to have to stick with me on this one, okay? Mm -hmm. Because there's nothing funny about animals attacking humans, okay? There is not. So, like don't, don't take this and, you know, leave a comment that I can't believe you brought this up. But my moment of joy was seeing the two videos that went viral this week from Houston. One was the 10-foot hammerhead shark in San Luis Pass that came so close to the shore and a fisherman caught the whole thing. And the other one was in at Huntsville State Park, there were swimmers trapped on a swim dock. Okay, they weren't in the water, but they were trapped because swimmers spotted two alligators in the water and there's signs everywhere that look there's alligators in this lake so be careful but they were just trapped there waiting until a boat finally came in and rescued them off the dock but my moment of joy is seeing animals interacting in nature right like we are in their space so be careful be on the lookout but it is not our space it's just a reminder that there are animals like 10-foot hammerhead sharks just swimming in St. Louis Pass and alligators in their natural habitat. Oh, I loved those. And I actually sat down with my daughter to read to her the Houston Chronicle story about the alligators. Because she's always looking for like scary stories for me to read her and like wants me to make up scary stories. Well, here's a real one. People were trapped by alligators in a park 
And if you haven't seen these videos, these TikTok videos, just watch them. They are just ridiculous. All these people like huddling together on this floating dock as people stand around on shore waiting for the park rangers to show up and rescue them. And then that shot of the San Luis Pass with a hammerhead shark in the shallows. I did not know we got hammerhead sharks. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah, the St. Louis Pass is actually a great place to, you know, fish and catch Mm -hmm. all sorts of things, but it does serve as a connector from the bay to the Gulf of Mexico. So you do get a lot of traffic. It's like a major freeway of Mm -hmm. uh, wildlife and and animals going through. So it is a crazy place to be. But yeah, I've never seen one that close and I constantly like go out to those areas. So that was pretty wild to see. But hey, again, if you see signs that there's alligators in the lake, don't go in the lake. All right. Why are we swimming in that? Why There was hundreds of people swimming in that lake. Yeah. Just stay out of the water. If there are alligators, stay out of the water. If there are sharks, find a pool, hop in the pool. (laughs) Evan, thank you so much for joining us this week. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Have a great weekend. And you know what? Stay warm. All right. Yeah. You too. Stay hot out there. Get sweaty. That was Evan Mintz. You can find all the stories we discussed in our show notes. Before we go, are you looking to do something this weekend? Check out our newsletter, Hey Houston, at houston.citycast.fm. The newsletter features tons of events happening around town, features on interesting Houstonians, and so much more. I know you'll love it. You can subscribe at houston.citycast.fm. That's all for this week on CityCast Houston. Our lead producer is Dina Kespa. Our producer is Carleon Jones. And our newsletter editor is Brooke Lewis. The host is me, Raheel Ramzanali. Our music is by the band All the Kimonos. We'll be back on Monday with an episode on the hurricane season with ABC 13 chief meteorologist Travis Herzog. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new. Uh, hold on. Now, let me rephrase that. Uh, what did he say? I got to think of that line that he had. It was so good. Hold on, hold on. Let me look this up. Sorry, sorry, sorry.